Hi, I'm Yolanda Brown and a very warm welcome to LPO Offstage. This is the podcast that digs deep into music and stories with the musicians of the London Philharmonic Orchestra. In today's episode, Everyone's a Musician, we're going to hear all about the incredible work the players get up to outside and inside the concert hall, training, teaching and creating musical opportunities through learning and engagement projects. Today, I'm joined by trumpeter Anne McEnany and co-principal viola player Richard Waters. Great to have you here, Anne and Richard. It's great to see you. And you. Thanks for having us. (laughs) No worries at all. Now, I'll start with Anne. It's great to have you back on the podcast. When did you start teaching music and teaching the trumpet? Oh, my goodness. Quite a few years ago. When I was a student, I taught trumpet for CYM. I used to go to schools uh, around southeast London. Yes. Um, What's CYM? Sorry. Oh, Centre for Young Musicians. They used to send out peripatetic teachers to teach people instruments in in the various schools. After that, uh, for 26 years now, I have been a trumpet professor at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. Fantastic. And that works alongside your work with the London Philharmonic Orchestra? Yes, it does. I think you need to be a bit of a workaholic to to try (laughs) and do things like that. But fortunately, I am. I love working. I love teaching. Uh, Apart from the playing, there's so many more aspects to our music making. I just want to introduce Richard as well. Um, Do you do much teaching yourself or is it mainly with the engagement of the orchestra? I'm quite new to uh, teaching. It's not a million years ago that I graduated. So I'm kind of um, enjoying actually kind of refining still, or always trying to refine myself. And actually, in a way, what I found a lot with teaching is having to express how you really do something or Mm. technically or musically or mentally, how we prepare ourselves. It's amazing to find how trying to impart that to someone else or explore that with someone else can kind of really refine how you think about these things. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. What is it like sort of teaching in the conservatoires and you can see musicians that are thinking about placing themselves maybe close to orchestras, trying to get a seat? How do you start preparing a musician for that? Because it's not just the technical side, is it? No, absolutely not. And and I think by virtue of the fact that uh, the, the professors uh, tend to be in orchestras or perhaps soloists, they can see what our lives are like uh, and how busy they are. <laughs> when, when we're trying to schedule lessons with them, sometimes it's, it's quite difficult. In more recent years, the students themselves are working because they have to pay back these great loans course, in my day yes. of course we had a grant and we didn't have to pay it back so they, they now have to find free time around their studying schedules and their working schedules in order to have some kind of income they quite often are doing teaching jobs in, in primary schools and things themselves and I think they bring what we are talking to them about to their lessons so we're sort of in a way, passing it on. Yes. You know? And it's nice to know, actually, I mean, as hard as it is to have to raise this money and be paying off our uh, student debts, but actually nice to know that the idea of giving back, the idea of teaching is part of their DNA by the time they reach the orchestra. And so taking a step even further back now to schools, what sort of engagement does the LPO have with school education and showcasing the orchestra to school level children? For recent years, we've had a project called Creative Classrooms, which is aimed around sort of key stage two 
age in, mm. in primary schools. Prior to that, gosh, going back many, many years, because the education department has been going for about 30 odd years now. And I think I might well have been there around the start of that. Brilliant. We're <laughs> because... honoured to have you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although I, I've only been in the orchestra for 21 years now, I, ah. I, I did start working as a freelancer initially in about 1984, 85 yes. with the orchestra and got very much involved in the education side. It was early days, I think, mm. and things have developed a great deal and the projects have changed considerably. It used to be you'd go in and do workshops in schools and create pieces and things. I think these days, apart from the creative side of it, hence the, the title, Creative Classrooms, we're also introducing them to the instruments of the orchestra, what it's like to be in an orchestra. They get to come to the concerts Beautiful. as well which is, I mean, they get very excited that, you know, if, if you're a young person of that age, or sort of primary school age, coming to the festival hall, it's immense, you know. And then to, to see a full symphony orchestra having just experienced two players perhaps in your classroom, to actually hear the full sound of a symphony orchestra for the first time, very special. But it's great work. The kids love it. We create pieces with them. I mean, generally speaking, we have been using a lot of music, such as ballet music, which has got great stories, of course. Yes. And we teach them the story and then we, we will write a little piece between us. Wow. That's a lovely exercise. And Richard, why do you think it's so important to reach out to schools and, you know, to even key stage two, key stage one age? Uh, where to start? <laughs> <laughs> the most amazing thing happens when you engage with people generally, mm -hmm. like on a kind of human level. In a way, it's not about going, oh, look, we're an orchestra and this is what we do. Please support us. It's, it's, it's more about how can we engage as equal pairings? You know, we gain from it, too, in the sense that, as um, Anne said, it's the most amazing thing for these kids to see a full orchestra for the first time. It's also the most amazing thing to see these kids see a full orchestra for the first time. It's cyclical. It's not one way. Yeah. And I think it's this incredible way of engaging that I think this orchestra particularly seems to have of just building these projects with integration and camaraderie at the centre. Very much so. And this must be the same for the teachers as well, Anne, because uh, you provide sort of teaching resources and learning resources that the teachers can take into their classroom. What sort of responses have you heard or received from, from teachers and students about that engagement with the orchestra? Well, actually, I, I'm not sure that everybody be aware that we have a, a training day in advance of going into the schools where the musicians and the teachers, we train together. So, so we're all being led by the workshop leader. There's always a, a special workshop leader in charge of each project. What happens in the classroom is, is quite extraordinary because you, you can see these teachers gaining confidence. And eventually, I mean, the whole purpose of it is very much to leave something with the teachers that they can carry on doing other projects. Yeah. Uh, like I said to you, with the ballet music in particular, it's really useful because towards the end of each project, we go in a number of times, and towards the end of each project, you would find the teachers very excitedly talking about what they were going to do when we left. Oh, wow. And what, you know, and, and look, listening to music and, and things that they had never looked at before. So it's great that we're absolutely leaving things with them. And like I said to you about the children coming to the concerts, they get to see a symphony orchestra, but they get to know us as people, 
You know, we're yes. not just these people dressed in funny garments sitting on a stage. We're actually real people. Music isn't just about listening. It's about experiencing. And when they can see us experiencing it and we're sharing it with them, they get to take on board the sort of emotion and the emotional content in it mm. and appreciate. I mean, music is... It can take you on a real roller coaster of emotions, let's face it. Uh, the highs and the lows and the depth of, of, of the feeling that you can get from it. I don't think there's anyone who could say they haven't been moved by even just one piece in particular. Everybody has a go-to piece, don't they? Yes, very much so. We've spoken about schools here, but it goes much further than that. And actually, outside of maybe sparking the next generation of orchestra players or, you know, classical music concert goers, um, speaking mostly about LPO Transform, even if you haven't been involved in it yourself, can you speak to us a bit more about how the LPO engages with the homeless charity crisis? I haven't actually been involved with Crisis. I have been involved with Orc Lab, which is the projects that we do with the Leonard Cheshire Disability Centres. And we, we go to these centres and work with people who some, sometimes are quadriplegic, have no means of playing an instrument, but collectively with Drake Music who bring us these instruments. They're very hands-on with using technology to create instruments for these people to play. Sometimes it could be just by touching it with your chin. For those who, who have such restricted movement that all they can do is move their head, there's a place for them to create music. And also we have sound beams where they can wave their head and play a flute. Beautiful. <laughs> Dumb jam, things wow. like that. And I guess there must be something special as well to be able to perform to people that perform. I mean, it's it's so much deeper because you know what it takes and you know what they're overcoming to to bring about a performance to you. I was talking about the Orc Lab, which is the disability centre work, and we always make films. Ah. And so we, we get to show those at the end and people see themselves on the big screen. Oh, my. <laughs> and, and you can see the pieces. We write pieces. You can see these pieces developing. Again, there's always a theme. And so it could be something about a rocket ship going off. This year, of course, things have changed and we didn't lose those projects. We have managed to keep so many of them going. Particularly myself, I've been involved with, we had Orc Lab and Open Sound, which is for teenagers with special educational needs and disabilities. Yes. And we managed to keep all that going on Zoom. I guess as well, I mean, it's great that it's been able to keep going, but actually the needs of people with disabilities or people that use it as an escape, they don't change. In fact, they get even more intense during a time like lockdown. Uh, so that's really reassuring that it's been able to continue. Yes, they were, they were very much isolated mm. and uh, it was fantastic actually just to see everybody's reaction when we finally got onto the screen, although we're all in our little compartments. You can actually see people a lot better as yes. well, you know, up, up close and personal on the screen. So <laughs> um, when, when we first got together with, uh, I think it was last, towards the summer yes. last year when everybody had been in lockdown since March and... It was. It took a few minutes actually to gather to get it all to calm down because everyone was so excited at seeing each other, and they because they'd all been in their own homes yes. with their parents or with their carers and had no contact whatsoever. And so there was all this excitement about hello, how are you? And <laughs> and then the of course of you know the whole the whole Zoom session had this joy about it oh. because everyone was so happy and we got everyone individually because there's no other way as we're aware. Yeah. Um, of doing it on Zoom other than individually to maybe 
they some some of them had homemade instruments. So, for example, banging a saucepan with a, a spoon, you know, just just to create rhythms and things, or yeah. rice in a pot to yes. shake. But other people, oh my goodness, some of the instruments that we've seen, particularly with the younger people with the open sound orchestra, we've had pink guitars, <laughs> pink violins. People have the most amazing keyboards. But again, they're all in their own homes. And one of the things I suppose that's really useful about Zoom is, as I say, you can see everybody up close. And that idea of community, I guess, is where all of this stems from, isn't it, Richard? Absolutely. It's about bringing people together. Um, throughout these podcasts, I'm hearing and I can feel how much of a family the LPO is. And I guess bringing other people into that community is really important. What other interaction have you had with people outside of the orchestra? Firstly, I want to say one thing about what Amos was talking about. And we talked a lot about this in the past before we even knew we were doing this podcast. And I just want to say how amazingly inspiring I find Anne when she talks about this because she's just so joyful and engaged. And every time she talks about this, it, like she's just alive. It's infectious, it's, isn't it? It's beautiful. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely what it is about. It's one of the main reasons I love being part of the LPO family. Wow. Yeah, it's the people that we're working with, though, that bring out the, this reaction and me, I mean, I, I absolutely adore doing the Leonard Cheshire Disability Centre workshops. Mm. And there's one lady in particular who we, I got to know over a couple of years and, and who was quite shy initially. And, and she basically could just move her head. And she was quite quiet to begin with. And then gradually, as we got to know her, eventually we had her with a sound beam and she would move her head around and, and, and play the flute or whatever. We gave her a microphone and she started singing. And she said, you know, I never thought I'd be able to do anything like this ever. And that, I mean, that is what it's all about. And that's that's why I feel so inspired by it. And and our education team are, are fantastic. You know, they're, they're just so creative and they come up with, it, with these, these projects and these ideas. And we're involved in it. And I guess the fact that you're seeing the change happen right there in front of you, um, nothing nothing beats it really. And, and I hear the phrase over and over again, how how blessed we are to be in this position as musicians and how blessed we are to be playing for the LPO uh, is sort of the common thread that runs through. Uh, but it's actually, it is a blessing because for those that couldn't just simply pick up an instrument and make music, it's nice to know that you can incorporate technology or incorporate different ways for them to be able to express themselves. They can have the same sound if they use thumb jam, for example. We use iPads a lot and yes. percussion instruments. They can make identical sounds to the instrumentalists, to us, the players. And so we can play duets and things with them. And that sometimes we get the most unbelievable call and response going on with what sounds like two instruments the same. Richard, you were going to say. I think that there's this, this incredible ability in this team of like meeting people where they are and being creative about that. Mm. And making it so that it is for everyone, like really genuinely. And I think that the work that the, the um, education team have done is to enable that and to enable people to kind of find that confidence and, you know, build that self-esteem back and create this amazing experience between us and them in a way that's not separated, that it's so incredibly inclusive and so incredibly designed to kind mm. of bring people together. And Richard, based on your own experience, what are the real benefits of music education? If you're looking at studies that look into how music affects people's learning, I mean, it's completely unanimous across the board that people who engage in musical activities of any kind do better in their academic work. 
it's so much more than just sound because mm. it's about personality and building confidence and engaging with people and learning to communicate. And we're musicians here. We're not playing any music. We're here talking about how we want to engage and how and how we've learned to engage. And that's all stuff we've learned because of being musicians, but not because we play music. In a yeah, way. yeah, yeah. And it's all kind of part of the same parcel. And you work on both of those spectrums, really. You teach the technical at the conservatoires and make sure that you're getting the best out of musicians. But at the same time, you're feeling that emotion and you're, you're seeing the effects and the power of music in people's lives. Does that sort of keep you engaged in a way? Oh, yes, totally. I mean, music is my life. Actually, having had these opportunities to develop in a different direction, going into the care homes and and the junior schools and things, has brought so much more to my musical experiences and actually my, my emotional experiences. I just had so much fun. I mean, you have no idea how much laughter will happen in these care centres with m- making music. It's just so rewarding. Mm. I always leave any of these sessions with a great big smile on my face. It really lifts my spirits and it really does inspire me in my own music making. That feeling of feeling full, that joyfulness of having given back is really important. I, I remember uh, going to, to play in, in a care home once and it was um, for children in respite care. So they couldn't communicate at all, couldn't walk, couldn't couldn't do anything. And I remember playing and, uh, and one young lad was on the floor he couldn't sit in his chair and he was just moaning and groaning throughout the whole experience and in the end kind of I went over to him with my saxophone was playing closer to him and um, he just really sort of reached up and put his mouth onto the bell of my saxophone uh, and was kind of licking the music if you like and sort of feeling the vibration his mum was mortified uh, his carer was mortified I said no leave him because that's how he is processing music and you know he stopped the groaning then and he was really just transported into the experience after that I felt that fullness and I felt that joy but I also felt quite drained is there a time when and you have to sort of take a moment and just think Gosh, I'm, I'm giving so much. It, it, does it ever feel like that? No. <laughs> just me. <laughs> um, but it, I'm not just giving so much, I'm receiving so much. You know, so it's a two-way thing. When we started talking at the beginning of this podcast, I did mention the fact that I'm a workaholic. Yes. And it's it's only been since the pandemic that actually I've slowed down and, and I, I, it felt so odd. I felt almost like I'd retired yeah. until the, the, the possibilities of, of having these Zoom sessions mm. came on board. And it, and it was such a relief to be able to sort of get back to work and back to seeing people and making music with people. I think there's a, an area that we've uh, missed off that just that little transition between sort of that, that teenage musician really now has a passion for music and wants to move closer into a professional music setting. Um, talk to me a little bit about those orchestra experience days, Anne. We have these days where they will all come together as an orchestra and and the parts which everybody plays from are tailored to specific grades. Right. So obviously some people will be more developed than, than others. So they can play the real parts. But then we have grade five type parts. So so people just who, who've been maybe learning a few years uh, and are limited technically, or in the case of a brass instrument, for example, whose who's high register is, is like sort of climbing a ladder at that point, <laughs> yes. you know. So, um, so it, it aims to suit all levels. And so they can sit as part of a section, not necessarily playing the same part, but all playing together mm. and, and making this great sound. And it's it's a full-sized orchestra. So we are talking a 
big signed. Wow. And uh, Richard, what practically is that like? You know, you're involved there in the teaching. What are some of the responses that you see from these uh, young budding musicians when they hear that big orchestra sound? Playing with other people is really one of the most important steps, whether you get that kind of musical bug, you know, that you can't shake. And I think that as fun as it can be, you know, to play your repertoire in your room or by yourself, it's so much more enjoyable when you work together and you have even disagreements, you know, um, <laughs> about how to do things. Um, I think one, one of the things that the Orchestra Experience Day is, does really well is to kind of fill some of the holes that are left by maybe some of the more national-based children's orchestras and things like this. So where the opportunities are limited, maybe because people don't know about them or because they just fall in the gaps somewhere. And I think that one thing the junior artist is designed to do is to essentially not just support technical learning or towards orchestral playing, but also to mentor and provide instruction or information and guidance towards what is involved generally yeah. musically, yeah. you know, or and how to develop not just your playing, but yourself and how to kind of set goals or work towards things. When they apply, they have to write a statement about why they feel underrepresented uh-huh. in the orchestra. Yeah. And I think that's a really amazing thing because it's not just saying, look, we're going to just do this. We, But to get them to a point where they're able to express and explain themselves, you know, we all have to at some point explain ourselves. Um, and I think getting them used to doing that and justifying the way we feel about things and communicating that in a, a non-confrontational way, yeah. I think is really, really effective. I've got an amazing young piano player on the junior artists this year who's just got into MIO, which is fantastic. That's the National Youth Orchestra. And for me, that was a really formative time when I was in the orchestra. And I know that sometimes these opportunities don't come up if you don't have the right people at the right time to tell you that you should do this. If you do this, then you will be able to do this. Or if you if you take these steps, then you'll be ready for this. And sometimes there's just like little pieces of information that are missing you know, that um, you need just like a rung on a ladder that's not quite there. And you were going to say... All of these projects that we've been talking about, uh, from the creative classrooms uh, to the disability centres to the the sort of junior artists, Foil Future First, the key thing about it all is it always sort of culminates in sharing. Mm. So, you know, with with the junior artists and with these orchestra days, the parents come in and the orchestra of, of junior artists performs to them with us inside as well so it's all part and parcel of that the creative classrooms they will perform to the rest of the school and like I said with Orc Lab and Open Sound that we will make films which they they can keep and and, and watch and also those sort of resources online resources where they can continue to sort of learn and Mm. and make music and the staff in the care centres are very hands-on as you can imagine. Yes. And and so they have learned along with the participants, along with us, we've all been learning together. And so the continuity when we've gone will remain. Brilliant. Really creating some defining moments in these people's lives, you know, whatever it may be, it doesn't have to be in the journey to become professional, in people's lives, they will remember those experiences. I'm quite interested in about you, Richard, you're, you're involved there in mentoring. You talk about uh, a young viola player that you have that's coming up in through the ranks. What sort of support and training do you get in offering this? Because it is, I mean, it's an all important job. You can make or break somebody's passions in this way. Uh, um, <laughs> I think, uh, oh God. Um, <laughs> 
I mean, I guess personal experience a little bit drives whether you're interested in this kind of thing. Like I had a lot of difficult experiences when I was a teenager where I wasn't sure if I wanted to play or if I really had it in me. And I responded the way I did to kind of being needled or pushed or, or challenged or sometimes people will disregard you as an option. Mm-hmm. And I think most musicians have been through quite a huge amount of rejection, you know, at every stage of your career, actually, because there'll be times when you're not getting auditions or there'll be times when you're not getting opportunities. And I think that having had some of those experiences, I was really keen when I was offered the opportunity to mentor on the junior artists and also the foil feature first. But we also had training day. Good. You know, like It was not just a case of like, Thrown in the deep end as much as you know we all workaholics and we all like we all like to jump in the deep end <laughs> nearly all the time especially i think myself and Anne. um it was a really informative again collaborative effort that wasn't like being read to off a sheet of rules it was engaged team building interactive experience where we all learned from each other even as colleagues And what do you learn personally, Anne, from teaching? I mean, you're giving to your students at the Guildhall and also across the board uh, in these schemes. What do you learn from it? Gosh, a fair amount, actually, because sometimes with repertoire, I'm having to learn the music myself. Yes. Because a lot of these students now um, have got phenomenal techniques and they're turning up with pieces which actually require a lot of work and there's little point in trying to teach someone if they know the piece and you don't so so it actually gives you a bit more work to do in preparing it yourself so I'm learning lots new repertoire because it's constantly been written of course you know and not being a soloist it's not something that I would otherwise be spending my time looking at so yeah it's it's broadening my horizons I'm learning a lot about myself as well (laughs) That is great to know that, you know, you are consistently growing. It's, it's um, really refreshing. And Richard, how about you with the mentoring? What, what have you learned from doing that? Fresh perspective, putting yourself in their shoes and trying to work at it from, from that side. And I think genuinely trying to explore something that you know incredibly well, as if you've never seen it before, because everybody's different. I know everybody's physiology is different. You know, viola is a really weird instrument for this because it's, it's, there's no set size. You know, everybody has different lengths, arms, and different length necks. You know, how on earth, you know, people get exactly the same teaching all the time. I don't really understand because it's, everybody's so different physically. And within all of this, do you have a favourite age range or a favourite um, group of people to work with? I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but is there anything that either you enjoy the challenge or is just your, your favourite? You hear that you're going to be going to this group of people, you think, yes, I'm looking forward to this. It, it, for me, it just simply has to be all club. Just watching the pleasure on people's faces when they realise that actually they have a means of making music, of expression and controlling the rest of us. There was one chap, actually, some years back, and again, his range of motion was limited. All he could do was move his head a little bit and open his mouth. And so I got him to conduct me. And, of course, with playing the trumpet, as as you're aware, with wind instruments, yes. you're limited to the amount of air you have in your lungs. And I said to him, <laughs> now, please remember that I can't hold this note forever. So you stop me. And so he opened his mouth to start me. And I said, and, and you opened your mouth again to finish, to make me finish the note. And he kept it going. And he had this real twinkle in his eye. Oh. And, and he just kept it going and going. I was going redder and redder and redder and eventually went, 
and then oh, he just beamed him. at me and, and when the whole room oh, you know broke down in laughter it was it was fabulous it's, oh, that's, that's the kind of thing that it's just great I love it having been in other other orchestras and other bands and things um, I've never seen so many players involved in so many different creative projects. Yes. And I think that that's an incredible thing. While we wrap up, I want to get a little bit more general and philosophical if we can. Anne, what do you think is the role of the LPO in society as a whole? Gosh, well, it, it has a big part to play mm. in society, um, particularly in the area where we're based uh, around the South Bank. I think we, we need to bring as much as we possibly can to the local communities. It's actually a lot better now. The Festival Hall, of course, is such an open space now and there's been lots of encouragement for all sorts of people to come in. So it's a question of us reaching them and try to bring something of value to their lives, mm. either creatively with them or just simply by providing them some means of receiving pleasure from listening to music. Yeah. But I think it's to prove to everybody really that it's for everyone and it will bring complete and utter pleasure to them if they get involved. It's brilliant. Well, no, thank you. You've both been very inspirational. Thank you for sharing all of the diverse projects that the LPO has and the, the different lives that the LPO affects. And thank you very much for all of your hard work, even though you do it naturally. You are workaholics at heart, but keep on affecting and changing lives. Thank you so much, Anne and Richard. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for now from LPO Offstage with me, Yolanda Brown. Thanks so much to Richard Waters and Anne McEnany for sharing their experiences of making music with people of all ages and backgrounds and creating musical memories across communities. Please get in touch using the hashtag OffstagePod. Thanks so much for listening and please do join me for the next episode of LPO Offstage where we'll be zooming in on Rachmaninoff's symphonic dances. I can't wait. Music